Welcome to this special edition of the Hyperfast show where we are featuring speakers from the Hyperfast Summit, which was held in Boca Raton, Florida in February of 2022. Today in this episode, we are featuring Matt Fullerton. Matt is an expert wholesaler, has founded multiple real estate companies as well as a business acquisition company, and he talked to the Hyperfast crowd about wholesaling. Check it out. Welcome, Matt Fullerton. There he is. There's you with no audio. But. <laughs> hey, everybody. This thing on? Yeah, I can hear myself. Hey, Dan. Good to see you, man. Thanks for having me Thanks out for being here. being out here. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm Matt Fullerton. I've um, known Dan a while. We're hunting buddies, uh, do a little business together. Uh, I'm out of the D.C. market primarily. I've been doing real estate investing primarily I like to preach the gospel of wholesaling a little bit because I think it's like one of the most maligned things in real estate investing, right? There's no barriers to entry. There's a lot of fly-by-night operations out there. I mean, how many times have you gotten burned or had a deal with a wholesaler that fell apart or something like that? I mean, there's, it happens all the time. So it's been really successful for me, and it's not just a way to make money and kind of free yourself from a nine-to-five job, which is it's a way a lot of people start, right? They start wholesaling, then they go to flipping, or they start flipping, and then they do a little wholesale. But for me, it's also become a way to raise capital for bigger deals without having to spend a whole bunch of advertising money. So that's what I've been doing. Dan and I have been talking about that quite a bit. And that's what I'm here to talk to everyone today about. So who, who knows what wholesaling is? Just to, So about half, roughly half. Yeah. So why, why don't you just explain the basic concept just so we're sure. kind of starting on the, the same base level. So what wholesaling is, is say I... I know someone who has a house they want to sell, but typically it's got some sort of distress. And what do I mean by distress? Distress means usually financial burdens, lots of deferred maintenance. Maybe the house is inherited. Maybe they're going through a divorce. They need to sell the house pretty quickly, and they need to sell it easily. So say I know someone like that, and I go to them and say, hey, Dan, you know, I'll buy your house for $200,000. And I get me and Dan agree. I get Dan under contract. And what I then do as I go and find someone else who I know likes to do flips in that area or likes to have buy and hold rentals in that area. And I say, hey, Carrie, this is, uh, this, is this deal I have. I'm going to sell it to you for 220000 And we agree. She buys it for two twenty. Dan sold it to me for two hundred. dollars um, At closing, I get the twenty in the middle, and she, works, she flips the house, and Dan sells his house. So basically, it's like being a middleman for real estate transactions. Um, wholesalers usually are good at sales, good at finding deals. Uh, they bring deals to the whole marketplace. Who, um, who's, I know a couple of people said they're interested in getting started, right? So if you're new to this, never done it before, how, I guess, first of all, how did you get started in wholesaling? And then what, if you were them today, what would you do to get started today? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, so I got started in wholesaling. Actually, I worked at a company that um, did flipping. And it was a, a real estate investment company that did tons of flips. And when I got there, they were about to go under. They had tons of capital out there doing 20, 30, 40 flips a month. Um, all their money was out on construction. 
the market was changing, um, a construction company had screwed them over, it was a disaster. So we had all this inventory just sitting there that's just costing money, we're just paying loans on. And they think the company's gonna go under. And I, I'm like, well, I, I would like to keep my job. So I said, hey, why don't we just take all these houses and sell them to other investors because we, oh, we're in them all right. So we did, we sold off geez, 600 houses. For a whole rental portfolio, a, uh, all the houses that were in inventory for flip, everything that wasn't like at, um, at punch out or at, at near completion. So, and when that happened, it was kind of like a light bulb that went off in my head. I'm like, man, I could just keep doing this. And the money, and the money comes fast. I don't have to outlay any capital. I don't have to, I don't have to do any work. I just, all I have to do is find sellers, negotiate with them, get them a good deal, and then bring a good deal to someone else. So I um, ended up leaving that company. And when I left, I had a non-compete. So the non-compete said I could do zero marketing, zero advertising of any kind. I couldn't send mail. I couldn't go on the radio. I couldn't do, I, I mean, I couldn't even, I couldn't do PPC, any online advertising, TV, anything like that. So the first thing I thought was like, shit, how am I going to, how am I going to get deals? Mm. How am I going to make money? And then I said, well, I know a lot of agents. I know a lot of people. So let me try to use that. So what I started doing and what I would advocate for people who are, who are new is, if you know real estate agents, and everyone knows, believe me, if, you, if you're a human being, you probably know 20 real estate agents, and if you haven't asked, they will gladly tell you. Um, go to those agents, say, hey, can I come to your Saturday sales meeting? Come to your brokerage, and then go there, bring them donuts and coffee, and say, hey, you guys, when you go to list a property on market, when you go to list one of these houses that you think is going to sit there because it's not going to qualify for any loans, it's in bad shape, it's not pretty, bring that to me first. I'll make you an offer. We can close quickly, pay cash, and see who brings it. And that, so that's the first thing I did is I started going brokerage to brokerage. And I also reached out to other people I knew who were flipping or investing or buying rentals. And I know people who get leads but are not real good at sales, right? Are not real good at closing. And that's what I was good at. So I reached out to those people and said, hey, if you guys have leads that you've been working but you can't get them closed, send them over to me. I'll work them. If I get the deals, I'll split them with you 50-50. If I don't, hey, you're the same place you were before. And Neither one of those things was prohibited in my uh, non-compete, and it's actually, it was so successful that I've just kept doing it. And now I do, um, we do a dozen deals a month that are strictly from referrals. So not only do I not pay online advertising, do I not send, write, handwrite a bunch of letters, not only do I not drive through every neighborhood writing down code violations and calling, I just <laughs> go out and tell realtors, hey, I'll pay you a referral fee if you bring me this deal. And they just, they flow in. So why, why would the realtor want to do that rather than sell? Because I'm sure a lot of people might be wondering that. Sure, right? yeah. Rather than list it and help them sell and, and get a bigger commission check. Yeah, so it's, it's a lot easier for one. So what I tell the realtors is, hey, keep your commission on your side if you want. I don't take commission on my side. So a lot of times they're not even losing out on commission. I also tell them I'll pay them three, a three grand referral fee for anything I close on. And that's not money I have to take out of my pocket. It just comes out at closing. So it just gets paid out of my side right, right at the settlement table. Um, and then it's a much simpler transaction. You know, realtors who list like as-is houses, they got to deal with all kinds of inspections. They got to deal with all kinds of um, trying to get the house cleaned up, showings. And you know, if you're a if you're an agent right now, you know how crazy this market is. And houses like that, they go in and out of contract a lot of times. It's a ton of work. So the different and also the difference in commission from what I'm going to buy it for for what's going to sell in the market to them, it's you know a few hundred bucks. But I'm paying them three grand more, and they're getting a much easier deal. And it's it's after agents do it one time, they, they want to keep doing it. And if, if people are new here, don't have a lot of agent relationships, how would they go out and 
Oh man, and get these. They're you know, so, so. What do they need to tell the the realtors? So first of all, you're here, right? So meet people here. Meet people at things like this. Go to. There's a lot of real estate meetups. There's meetups in every town, every city in the country. Um, a lot of places have COVID regulations, but they still allow these meetups. So go to those. Go meet people. Um, go on your social media. I. I I know it's cheesy. I love to use Facebook because people see it. Everyone uses it, and especially real estate. You know, real estate professionals love Facebook because you can post what you're doing. You can reconnect with other people. So just go on there, and you can even ask for deals. Say, hey, I'm paying a $3,000 referral fee to any agent that brings me a deal. And I do those little posts once a week, and usually my inbox starts pinging shortly thereafter. So you can go out and meet agents anywhere. They're all over the place. Yeah, so I, I love how you're doing this without the, the traditional wholesale methods you know, people talk about or yeah. knocking on doors, cool. calling, you know, handwriting letters, handwriting letters, you see my handwriting cold man? calling, not going to work, uh, or, or spending a lot of money on Google PPC, yeah. you know, Google ads. So this is kind of cool because you, you took something that was a limitation, right? They, they yeah. limited all of these things yeah. and then you built a, a program around what you could do. Yeah. So I, and, and then surpass what most people do the traditional ways. The first year we did a million, we did a little over a million wholesale fees. In wholesale first, fees. Yeah, wholesale fees the first year with no advertising, anything like that. And I think we probably do that in our sleep now. Um, it's, it's something you can do in any market. It's something that you can do, you can, you can scale it to a couple markets if you want to. I am not the hugest believer in, you know, in the giant, whole, so giant wholesale companies. You know, once you start making deals, they start spending a lot of ad money, hiring a lot of people, and pretty soon you get to like a tipping point where you just don't make money. So I think, my, in my personal opinion, the best way to wholesale is to do it like this, start out without having to spend a bunch of money, build it to the size you want, and then let, it, let someone else handle it and automate it. So a lot of this I don't even touch anymore. I have people who just do it for me. Now, out of, out of all the referrals you get from agents, what percentage do you actually get under contract? Um, I just looked at the numbers. So if I get referrals from agents, it's, it's just north of 70%. So, so 70% like, yeah. go yeah. under contract. Yeah. It's a, it's a huge number. The ones that don't go under contract are usually ones that have um, some sort of issue. We had one that the numbers worked, but they had a um, second mortgage they didn't know about. That one fell out recently. But other than that, usually we get them under contract because the people trust us. The agent works. The agent's working for me to get the deal because they want their commission. They want that referral fee. They want that easy transaction. I mean, that, that's a high, a high number because I, yeah. I imagine if you're doing cold calling, knocking on doors, oh, it's like or, or even advertising Google PPC, you're 1%, 2%. Yeah, I was going to say low single digit percentage yeah. on conversion. So to be it above two thirds yeah. is pretty amazing and from a free lead source. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, a free lead source. You don't pay anything until a deal closes. No, I, you know, it's, what it's cost me is the time to make, meet, make the relationships and go out and uh, try to meet people and make these deals. But that time's been very well worth it. And the other thing about that is when you meet these people, a lot of times there's people who have other deals for you to do. I mean, that's, I've done a lot of other types of deals just by going to talk to agents about houses. I mean, of nursing homes, uh, Airbnbs, all that stuff. I mean, there's, it's, it's a place where you can just kind of spread out um, and get all into all different types of real estate investing. What, uh, what's your criteria when you get the lead, go see the house, you know, walk us through yeah. the process and criteria for knowing what, what price it would be a good sure. deal at? Yeah, I'll run the whole thing down. So what I do, first thing I do is agent comes to me, hey, Matt, I have this house. Say it's 123 Maple Street um, in Washington, D.C. And I say, okay. You know, let me, so the first thing I do is tell them, I'm going to take a look at the house, take a look at the numbers, 
and I'm going to give you like a rough estimate, like a rough idea of where I'm going to be. And I usually give them a kind of a big range. And I do this with sellers and agents because I don't want to overpromise and underdeliver, right? I don't want to tell them I'm going to give them 250 for their house, get out there, see there's a big crack in the foundation, now I've got to give them 200. Um, so I always tell them, look, I'm going to be somewhere in the low to mid 200s with an offer here. You know, t talk to your seller or Mr. Seller, you know, does that sound fair to you? Um, if it does, I set a time to go out and see it myself in person, or I send one of, I, I'll usually go, or I'll send my assistant out to go do it. And then we um, go take a look at it, I take pictures, look at the numbers, get a repair estimate idea, um, and then I give them a firm offer. And I usually, when I make offers, I usually like to offer somewhere around 70% of where my final offer would end up. That way, if I need to negotiate, I can. I have a little bit of room. And if I get the deal, great, you know, all the better. There's a bigger fee. So I make the offer, um, seller accepts the offer, we get it under contract, it goes to title, and then I go to disposition. All right, but determining that offer price, you said, yeah. you said 70% of your final price. Yeah. How do you determine that final price? So you know the repair cost. Yep. Um, what do you, how so do you put a, all that together? a couple ways to do it. Uh, the easiest way to do it is just do the kind of traditional uh, flipper wholesale formula, which is 70% um, of ARV minus the repairs. And so whatever that is, that should be your, what you offer, I offer, you know, another 70% of that. Or um, you look at the, what a lot of times, especially in markets that are hot, you can kind of look at what the market will bear. Like what are the lowest as is sales in that market? Because if, if, if you think you're going to buy this house for 250, but things that are junk are going on market for 312, 313, you might be able to offer more and still make a good, uh, good wholesale fee on it. So the way I determine what I'm going to offer is by checking out comparable sales you know, to determine ARV or after repair value, I look at, hey, what's sold at the top of the market? What renovated has sold and what does it look like? And then I go back and look at what as is is sold and what's the percentage of ARV I need to be at on this deal. And then calculate what the repairs are. So if ARV after repair value is 200K, the most you'd go on that 70% would be 140. Yep, minus the but repairs. Minus if it needed 20K of repairs. 120. It'd be 120, right? So if I, does everyone so, get that? Yep. So if I need to be at 120, I'll usually offer 100. That way, if I need to negotiate a little bit, you leave a little room for yourself. You're not backed into a corner. A lot of times people want to negotiate just so they can feel like they won. Right? It's not about getting more money. It's just so they feel like they got everything they could. So I always make sure I leave a little room for that. And what, obviously price is important to sellers. What, what else in, in the typical wholesale situation is important in terms of you know, speed, yeah. contingencies? What, what do you... I think the most How are you putting together the terms to help you get the best price? I think the most important thing to a lot of these people is relief from pain. Again, there's like, how does it make sense to sell your house for, um, at, at the end of the day, it usually ends up being about 50% of market value. So why would someone sell their house for 50% of market value? It's usually because they have significant pain. And what I mean by pain is what I mentioned before. Um, a lot of these people have inherited a house that comes with bills or comes with, you know, painful memories or is distressed. Uh, a lot of these people can no longer take care of their house. 70% um, of people live paycheck to paycheck. So if you have a pipe leak, hey, what, is it that or groceries? Is it that or taking your kid to the doctor? If you, have, you know, if you have a water coming in the basement, if you have an electrical problem, hey, am I fixing this or am I, you know, or am I going on vacation this summer? So over the years, that stuff starts to add up. And when people get older, their houses can be you know, damn near falling down. And then there's a lot of other things in between. Um, landlords. Landlords. Everyone wants to be a landlord until they become a landlord, Dan. I think you uh, probably know about that. And then they're like, whoa, fuck, 
this. I don't want to deal with this anymore. And they won't go to sell their houses. They, um, people getting divorced, they have to sell the house. I just, just bought one, literally got one on a contract this morning. People are getting divorced, fighting over it. They, the only thing they can agree on is that they need to sell the house and the price. And they sold that one to me. Um, there's, I mean, there's a lot of other things, code violations, foreclosure, foreclosure houses are good, um, you know, all kinds of tax liens, that kind of stuff. Some sort of distress is the reason they're selling it. So what they, what they want out of this is, hey, I want to get this stress out of my life. I want to get this money or I want to relieve myself of this financial burden and I want to do this quickly and easily. So a lot of times price is not the most important thing to these people. The ease in which you solve their problem is the most important thing to these people. So I try to say, hey, look, you tell me when you want to close. You want to close in a week? We'll close in a week. You want to close in a month? We'll close in a month. Um, anything I tell people, anything they don't want in their house, one of the biggest stressors for people is moving and getting, moving all their stuff. I say, anything you don't want, just leave it here. We'll throw it in a dumpster. It, I, um, I pay all closing costs. I pay all transaction fees. Um, I don't take any commission. I don't do any inspections, don't have any contingencies. So... And what you see is what you get. You get this offer for 120. That is your offer for 120. That's what you're getting, you know, when you when you finish up at the title company. So speed, so they can get rid of the the, the yeah. problem, the issue they have. Convenience. Uh, and then certainty, I think, yeah. as well. They want they want to make sure it's going to happen. Oh yeah. So you're not having the traditional appraisal, financing contingencies. What, what protections do you have in there for you as? The, as the buyer, wholesaler, if any. Yeah. So I usually do a low EMD. In a way, okay. I, so I usually have a $500 or $1,000 earnest money deposit. And that way, you know, if it's something happens, if I miss something, I can, always, you know, I can always just pay the deposit and have to get out of it. On some cases, when it's a bigger deal, I'll put a feasibility period in there. And what that means is basically I have X amount of days to just cancel the contract if something happens. Um, I cannot remember the last time I used that but I have used it before on some larger deals. Usually it's a lower EMD and most sellers do not have a problem with that. When they ask for higher, I say, look, I wouldn't be able to buy any houses if I was putting out five grand on every one because I'd have so much tied up in EMDs, I wouldn't be able to buy these houses. So it's usually, that's usually my number one protection is just a $500 EMD. So low EMD, if you have to go bigger on that, then you're gonna feasibility want a study. feasibility study mm -hmm. that gives you the right to, to cancel if, yeah. if you miss something. What do you, what do you looking for in this period um, before you close, you know, whether you're using the low EMD strategy or the feasibility study? If it's like, what are you, what are you looking for in the inspections and the due diligence? If it's a flip, I'm looking to make sure I didn't miss anything. You know, I'm not a contractor at the end of the day. I've looked at, I mean, geez, thousands of houses, but still, you know, I, I still don't know what I'm looking for in some cases in terms of um, repairs. Um, I actually just had one that I was going to keep as an Airbnb, but I decided not to because my contractor crawled under there and joists are all rotting. There's major termite damage underneath, and it's going to add like 20 grand to a repair budget that it was already kind of tight. So I ended up wholesaling that deal to a guy who was going to make a lot of money as a flip. Um, I'm looking for um, any mar big market changes, like anything disaster disastrous that happens, but I haven't ever run into that before. If it's a wholesale, I'm just looking to find a buyer to take that deal. What, um, you know, once you get under contract, you're pretty sure it's a good deal. How do you determine if you're going to flip it versus wholesale? Um, I usually flip. So I, when I do flips, it's usually like home runs. Like I think I'm going to make usually like 70 plus is where I do flips because then to me it's worth the effort of getting my contractor out there, spending time on the job site, putting the capital out there. Um, and, you know, with flips, no matter what, 
it's not like HGTV. There's always issues you run into. There's, it's always hairy. There's always things you need to deal with. Rarely do they go off perfectly. So I always make sure it's worth my, it's worth my while. Like, would it be faster? Would it be easier to just wholesale this for 35K? Or would it be easier to flip it for 50K? Usually if it's that close, I'll just wholesale it and keep the money moving so I have it to buy other projects. Um, if it's a home run, I'll flip it. If not, I just wholesale it and move on. This is the All easy right. answer. If you're going to wholesale it, we've talked about how you acquire the deals, how you acquire yeah. the leads. Um, how do you acquire the, the end buyer? The end, so that's a great question. So when you're wholesaling, you need to have someone else to sell this house to, right? You know, you can't be like your mom or your dad. You have to find other people or investors. And the way I found them was, one, again, those meetups, places like this. Um, if, you, if there's a lot of other people from your market or anyone from your market here, talk to them. See what their criteria is. See if you can work with them. Um, in your own market, reach out to agents. There's a lot of agents that work with investors and are going to want to see those deals. Um, go to real estate investment meetups. I have a, a, real, a real estate investment group. It's about 2,500 people in there, I think, at this point. Um, go on there. Go on, you, on Facebook groups. There's a ton of real estate investing groups in every market on Facebook. Join those. You can post your deals there. There's a lot of different ways to find buyers. And once you, and once you find someone who buys, make sure you take all their information and keep it because... You know, you'll hear a lot of things about people who have 30,000-person buyers lists, but most of that's just random agents and random people they pulled offline. There's usually only, you know, 20, 30 really good buyers who are going to buy consistently, you know, month after month after month in any given market. And what, um, when you, you hit that list, just kind of what are some of the things you include in the, the marketing package or, or I, um, how, you know, how do you present the deal to them? So I try to do it kind of like an agent would do it. I kind of try to fluff it up a little bit. Oh, look at this great, uh, look at this great deal I have for you in uh, Temple Hills, Maryland. And then put, put a picture of the front of the house usually on there. I put a description, bed, bath count, um, asking price, my estimation of ARV, a link to the pictures and instructions for submitting an offer. And I, it's real simple. It takes me like two minutes. Um, and I just, hit send and send it out to, to a group of people, and then I uh, wait for the responses to come in. Are you, are you putting comparable solds in there? Or no, I usually, so I usually don't. Do I tell people work. to do their own due diligence on repairs and, uh, and comparable sales because, one, I don't want anyone to come back and say, hey, you led me this way with this comp, and I didn't know comps that well. And, two, everyone's got a different scope. Everyone's going to do a different thing with a flip. So I tell them, look, I have no idea what your budget's going to be because I don't know what you're going to do there. How does, how does, if they're interested, how does the negotiation go there? Because obviously they know you're a wholesaler. Yeah. They know the price you're quoting yeah. isn't necessarily what you have it under contract for because yeah. your fee is built in there. So how, how does that dynamic usually play out? So what I'll say is if you, have a, if you have a good deal, and this is true in everything, if you have a good deal, the money will always be there. If you have a good deal, there's always going to be money for that deal. So if you got the deal right, a lot of times people, like wholesalers or buyers, especially in this market, they don't even want to negotiate with you. They just want to get it before someone deal. else. They just want to get it before someone else gets it. Now, if it's a little tight, I'll have people who come in and offer me, you know, five, ten grand less, and we'll go back and forth. Or a lot of times I'll just say outright no at first, because sometimes they'll just, I'll say no, no, no. I'm just going to take. I'm only going to take asking, and they'll come back and say, okay, I'll do it. But if I have to. I'll negotiate a little, you know, five, ten thousand, depending on how much is in the deal and what I think the deal is worth. And then I assume you're getting a bigger EMD from them than, than what oh, you yeah. put down. <laughs> yeah, so for the end buyers, I require a five thousand dollar EMD so that if they want to back out, I can give that to the, I can give that to the seller and right. say, and while I find another person or I can or I buy it myself and you take that off of my repairs. 
Yeah, I always make sure, one of the things you should make sure on wholesale deals is if you would not do the deal yourself, you probably shouldn't sign it up because I see it all the time, people sending out deals where, I mean, there's no way. There's just no way it's going to work. And all you're doing then is misleading sellers. You're making yourself look bad. Um, you're, starting, you're giving yourself a bad reputation in your market. All right. Any questions from the audience so far on wholesaling, you know, finding the deals? A couple. couple uh, start up front. <laughs> Do we have a microphone, Joseph, for people? You can yell at me. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm used to it. Can we do wholesaling with being a real estate agent? Typically, the answer is yes. Um, I'm a real estate agent. I've never written a listing agreement. I've never shown a house, but I've been a real estate agent for a long time. Um, some brokers and some municipalities and associations have rules about it. I, so I would check with your individual broker or your associations you're a member of, but generally, the answer is easy yes. You can do that. Yeah. And I would, I would add to that yes. Um, but make, make sure you disclose. So You have to disclose. Um, that, that you're going to make a profit somehow. Like put that in writing mm -hmm. up front. And I, I think the, converse, the conversation you want to have with the seller is, look, I'm a real estate agent. I'm also an investor. Most agents offer a one-stop shop, right? Just all they know how to do is list a pretty home. Um, your home's not pretty. I could help you make it pretty. And then we could list it and we would get this much. If you don't want to do all that work, if you don't want to put the cash up, you know, that the, the renovations require, if you don't want people through your house, um, you know, open houses and, and buyer showings, Showings, all if you don't want to deal with all that, here's the number I can offer you. This is below what it would get in the other scenario, and I am going to turn around and flip it to someone and make a profit. I think if you have the conversation that way, you're offering them more value, more options. And a lot of real estate agents don't understand it, so they're just going to say, it's bad, don't do it. But, you know, 90% of the people want more money, right? They, they have the time. They're not emotionally hating their house. And 90% or more, probably listing it and getting the most money is the most important. But those 10%, they don't, they don't care about that. They want speed and they want certainty, and they'll take a lower price. And if you're not able to offer that, then you're not serving that part of the market. So I would, I would argue that an agent that knows how to wholesale and does it with the proper disclosures, you're actually offering more benefits, creating more value. Definitely. For, for the public. Yep, I would agree. Uh, I think I saw some other hands. Rohan. How do you go about um, estimating your rehab costs? Oh, there it is. Um, <laughs> there do you use a contractor or general contractor, or do you do it by yourself, or how do you do that? So I, um, if it's something that's, if it's something that I'm just really like unsure of what it's going to look like, th at this point I have the benefit of a lot of years of experience, so I can go in and eyeball test the house and have a general idea of where we're going to end up. If it's something now, if you're do it, if you're newer, I would run it by a contractor, run it by a GC if if you have one. Um, have them take a look and think and try to figure out what the repairs are. Or if you have a mentor, it's always a great idea to get someone who's done this before. You can even ask them, say, hey, what do you think the repairs are? You can even partner with that guy to help you disposition your deals. Really, there's a lot of ways to do it. But at this point, I go in there and I just kind of look over the square feet, look over what's there, and I kind of know what, the, what I'm looking at. Now, if it's, I looked at a house in Georgetown not that long ago, and I was like, man, I have no idea what the repairs. It's like 4,000 square foot row home. And I was like, I have no idea what the repairs are in this thing. It's Georgetown. So I asked and they were, of course, astronomical. B 
beat up old house. <laughs> but it was, um, but yeah, in those situations, I do ask. Find out from a contractor. So, Neil. Hey, Matt. Great presentation so far. Thank you, sir. Um, you brought up an important point about when you market your deal. Do you, you pretty much tell them, here's the price and here's the ARV? Yep. Um, so you, do you give them the ARV and the, the, and the um, build cost or construction cost, or you just say, here's the price? I give them the price and the ARV. So no, no construction costs? No construction costs. It's, I found that, again, everyone has different scopes. Some people, some, someone might want to buy it as a rental and put ten grand in it, put some lipstick on it. Someone might want to gut it, move walls around, add an attached garage, all that stuff. And it's totally different repair estimates. So I tell people, look, do your own repair estimates, but there is room in this deal for anyone to make money. Okay, so you don't give them, like, you just give them the ARV. You don't yep. give them comps and all that stuff. Just here's the ARV. Yeah, no comps, just the ARV. Yeah. And I think one thing that we are learning how to do better at this point um, is once we initial or initiate a uh, conversation with a seller and we yeah. build some rapport, for me it's like balancing this, you know, get them to sign a contract quickly so they don't fall off the face of the earth versus showing kindness and compassion and giving them the time they need to speak with their wife or their lawyer or whatever. Yeah. You know, I've, I've We've seen some guru types that they're like very bulldog, like get people to sign over the phone on the first phone call. Oh, yeah. And I hate, I hate that. <laughs> yeah. But there's also a line where, you know, you, you do have to, these people are in the situation because they're procrastinators. Mm -hmm. And once you send a contract over, if you don't follow up with it and stay persistent, it will fall off the face of the earth. So oh, yeah. what, have you, what have you found is your good balance there? So I would say that a lot of, with a lot of these people, um, they're in a situation where empathy is definitely necessary, so I think you're going about it the right way. Um, there is a tendency in the middle there to kind of make friends with people, and once you're there, it's hard to go back mm. to, hey, we need to make, get this deal done. And I know there's gurus, and uh, I won't get started on gurus in here, but um, I know there's gurus like, oh, yeah, you got to close them over the phone and all that stuff, but I would, I personally... I, I like to meet people face-to-face. -face. Of course, you know, I send, I send electronic contracts all the time, but I almost never don't meet the people that I'm buying the house from. So if you're going out there and meeting them, um, and they're, you know, and they're, you've got an offer to them, but they're taking their time, there's usually a few reasons for that. Um, one is they're just unsure. You know, they're unsure. Um, people suck at saying no. So a lot of times they might not like your offer, but they just don't want to tell you. You know, people want to appear, they want to please other people. So a lot of times they just don't like the offer, they're unsure. Other decision makers, make sure you're asking about who are the decision makers. I can't tell you how many times I've screwed that up and it's burned me. There's someone else involved that I didn't find out about, and this person doesn't even, isn't even really in control. They need this other person to, to pull the trigger. Um, so what I do, if I have someone who's, I'm taking a look at the house, I've made an offer, um, and they're kind of waffling, I like to ask them, like, hey, you know, I, I know you, we talked about this. You sounded like you really want to sell this house. Tell me what's going on here. What do I need to do to make this happen? And a lot of times they'll say, oh, well, you know, the price is just too low. I need to get this amount because I, I need to be able to move to Texas and I have a trailer down there. There's all these different scenarios. I try to just find out, hey, what, what, what do I need to do to make this happen? Or I say, at the beginning, one of my favorite things to say is, like, in a perfect world, what is this, this going to look like to you? Like, I'm walking in here to take a look at your house. In a perfect world, how is this going to work? And then they can just spit out exactly what they want. So that's a great way to find it out. If you... Get to a point, especially with people like, if you find a house, houses that are really bad, hoarders, hoarders are never going to sell you their house. Um, they have to die and their relatives have to sell you the house. Hoarders don't even throw away trash. They will not throw away a house. 
I've, I can't tell you how many times I've, and they, a lot of times they love, no, I'm, I'm serious. They love to negotiate. They love to meet, meet, meet people, but they aren't going to pull the trigger on selling a house. You have to buy it from relatives. So some people are critically indecisive and that's how they ended up in this situation with the house in the first place. And you may just be, never be able to make the deal. Sometimes the timing's not right. Sometimes they need more money. Sometimes they need a little push. Um, I think it's good to, I feel like to follow up daily and say, hey, I know you're thinking about this, hate to bug you, is there anything else I can do? Anything else you need from me? Do you have any questions? Like, what are you concerned about? How can I alleviate those concerns? Those kind of things, open-ended stuff that's gonna get them talking about why they haven't signed the deal yet. Yeah, and I, I would add to that, just really ask good questions up front to mm -hmm. get the timing and motivation, which Matt touched on a little. And then two, you might have to create a reason for, for a deadline at some point, yep. right? And you know, it's just Mr. and Mrs. Seller, like, I love your home and, and, and can, can offer a solution that will help you get to whatever their motivation is in the time. Uh, but I have other homes I'm looking at and, and my, you know, if, if we don't lock it up by X, I have to commit to another deal and I won't have the capital for this, right? So yeah. I would, you know, use something like that to create some sort of deadline and, and then tie it back to solving their timing and motivation issues. The way I like to say that is, hey, Mr. Seller, Dan, look, I've got a lot of money, enough money to buy this house, but I don't have enough money to buy five houses this week, and I am always looking at houses. So here's what I can tell you. This offer's good for 72 hours, no matter what, um, but after 72 hours, you're going to have to give me a call. We're going to we're gonna have to take another look at it because I'm definitely going to buy another house in that time. And I need to make sure I even have the money to buy this house. And then I say something like, look, you know, if I can't, I'll really try to find someone to help you out. Maybe I know a real estate agent or someone who can help you out. They're like, oh, I don't want a real estate agent. And that'll create a little <laughs> bit of urgency for them. But yeah, just you can create deadlines that way. Say, hey, look, I've got money to buy your house, but I can't buy five and I'm going to get more opportunities. So I need to know. Sure, sure. What's your plans to do with this house? And you know, some you don't want to scare people away saying, "I'm just going to turn around and sell this house and make money off of it." Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's you also have to be honest with people. Yeah. And I'm curious to hear what your take is on that that answer. The way I say, I say I do a lot of things with houses. Um, some of them I buy and renovate and resell. Some of them I keep as a rental property um, and rent it out. And some of them I find another I partner with another investor or sell it to another investor who I know who's going to who's gonna renovate and resell this house. No matter which way I do it, I'm gonna end up making money. You need to know that. Um, I'm gonna, or at least I'm gonna to try to make money. That's why I'm doing this. But at the end of the day, it's not gonna to matter to you. You're gonna settle on the day I said, you're gonna get the money on the day I said, and whatever happens after that, happens after that. Yeah. somebody who is just going to turn it around and, you know, yeah. we, I was honest with them, Yep. but um, that may have cost a deal, so, you know. I tell them, I'm going to be, look, I'm going to be here with you and be holding your hand all the way till settlement. When that house is no longer yours, then you're getting your cash, you're moving on, I'm, hey, we're still friends, um, but I'm going to be here with you no matter what happens all the way till settlement, whether I sell it to someone else, whether I'm flipping it, or whether I'm keeping it. Got it. All right, yeah. I'm done. Hey, Matt, uh, great job. Thanks, Thanks for man. Uh, giving your insights. Uh, <laughs> Brian from Colorado Springs. So uh, I love how you presented uh, 
purchase price and ARV. Yeah. Uh, but I imagine given the market, there's always like a huge spread. So it would probably open up to objection, you know, the seller maybe thinking about going with a realtor or, or going to the, going to somewhere else. So yeah. do you have like a case study or how do you how do you negotiate with that when, you know, given the market? It's, yeah. It's, you mean like how do I negotiate? Um, so when I'm when I'm dispositioning the property, when I'm selling a purchase price in ARV, like if that gets back to the seller? Yeah. Like, you know, or maybe when you first meet them. Right. Yeah. They know the market's hot. And yeah. then you're giving them this low ball offer. Yeah. Not, you know, just hypothetically. So it's a lot of times, again, it's 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 a matter of um, they have a problem they need solved. And, you know, there's a certain amount of money that is going to help them. That they're they're going to feel comfortable with. But there's also, you know, hey, here's the service I'm going to provide in addition to buying this house. And one of the things that doesn't get mentioned a lot is, you know, with, when a lot of investors we pay, I pay closing costs. I pay transfer and everything. I don't take commission. Um, on some deals, I can save like 10, 12% from the market. So if you have a house listed for 500 grand, you know, and they want 550, hey, I'm there. If you're listing it on the market, I'm at that. You're going to net the same whether you go with me or not. So that you're saving some money there. And I also tell sellers, look, you can list this house on the market. I know agents. I'll even refer you an agent. You know, I know good agents who can help you with this. Here's how it's going to go. House is in rough shape, so it's not going to qualify for any of these forms of financing. This is, these are just facts. Um, so there's going to be only investors like me who are going to want to buy it. They're going to see it on market. They're going to negotiate with your agent, and you're more than likely going to end up in the same position you are right now, but just wishing you had because it's going to be 60 days from now instead of today. That's my favorite way to do it. All right. Well, before Matt uh, leaves the stage, and, and that was amazing, by the way. Thank you Thank so you, much. Um, we want to let the agents in here, and I, and I guess anyone know that we are rolling out a program where we are. if a real estate agent has a wholesale lead, you know, they, they, they go out to list the home, it's in utter disrepair, and the seller doesn't want to do work on it. Uh, we've got a program now where we can take that lead, pay you a referral, do a partnership split, on, you know, if it ends up being a flip or whatnot. So if anyone is interested in that, Matt will be around all day. Yeah, yeah. You can uh, come find me. I'll lunch, be happy to help. Happy hour and 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 talk about if you know your market is one where we would do that in and yeah, and uh, how work. that would work. So. Absolutely. Yeah, we're um, we've found that it's. That agents have a lot of these deals, and agents are happy to pass them along to us, and we love to get them. I mean, I love the uglier the house, the more animals in the attic, the more dust, the more cobwebs, that's the more trash, the more excited I am. So bring me all your ugly houses. I love them. All right. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.